You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. Man, excited for part two of this series. We kicked this series off last week online and in house churches, and today we kick it off. It's all about how Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And today we have a special uh, guest, uh, Adonis Lindsay. Now, I've known Adonis for almost 15 years. He was a pastor at a church that I led worship at back in the day before Sarah and I moved up to Washington, D.C. And so we've got Adonis in the house today. Can we just show some Bridges Nashville love as he comes up to deliver the word? Come on, y'all. Man, well, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Come on. He's the reason we are here. You didn't come to see me. You came to meet with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's exciting to be here. As uh, Pastor Curtis said, we've known him for a very long time, him and his wife, Sarah, his entire family. So we go way back. So I feel like I'm just amongst friends and family today. Is that okay? We're just going to have a good time in the name of the Lord. But y'all give Pastor Curtis a hand clap, him and Sarah. Just phenomenal, phenomenal couple there. And uh, today, I've got my uh, family with me. No matter where I go and speak, I speak in a lot of different arenas, whether it's in church or business world or educational world. But sometimes my family is able to be there. Sometimes they're not. But I always like to introduce them. Now, my daughter told me, Dad, look, she's looking at me now. She's like, "Uh uh-oh. She said, Dad, are you speaking today? I said, yes. He goes, well, don't say anything about me. Then she goes, I'm just joking, so I'm going to put it on the spot. But I want to introduce my family. Can I do that for a few minutes? So uh, my wife, Heather, stand up, Heather. Give her a hand, Cloud. She's here with We've been married 14 years. And has anybody ever seen those TSI shows, forensics, stuff like that? So uh, my wife is a forensic DNA scientist. Now, see, here's the thing, Pastor Kurtz. You just heard it right there because when I get introduced – they just kind of give me, okay, yeah, let's see what he got to say. But when I introduce my wife, they're like, ooh, wow, wow, awesome. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. Old school. Old school, okay. But that's okay. You know, it's like I, I swallow my pride, and, and I learned to, to deal with it. I know I married way up and out of my league, but I'm okay with that, okay? So, and then we've got our two children. We've got our oldest, Grayson, Caleb, Lindsay. Stand up, Grayson. Come on, man. He's like, oh, dad. He's a cool guy. Just went into middle school. And then we've got our youngest there. We've got Carrington, May, Lindsay. Stand up, wave at everybody, Carrington. Okay. All righty. Thank you guys for letting me introduce my family. And we're just excited to be here uh, to continue on with this amazing sermon series from death to life. And one of the things, guys, I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever been through a season or you just kind of way our world is going and sometimes you just get mentally exhausted and you're like, man, God, I need a revival. Anybody ever get like that? God, just, just wake me up, refresh me, restore me. I'm tired of watching all this stuff. On, on the media. I mean, no, if you if you ever want to get down, like real low down, just, just watch the media for about 24 hours. I mean, no, that'll do it to you. Come on, that all everybody's opinions flying around like crazy. And you know, you reach this place, it's like, God, there has to be something more. Stir me back up. Can anybody remember that 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 season you had when you first met the Lord? Come on. You just everything was exciting to you. 
and you were just so filled with hope and just positivity and, and that thing called life that we all go through. Amen. <laughs> Any married folk in the house today? Oh, yeah. See, I didn't even have to say anything after that, and you just started laughing. But it's, you know, that thing called life, and we married, then married with children, and that thing, life, just keeps going on and on. And, but every now and then, we need to remember that God is still on the throne, and he's still the center of our world. And when we find ourselves drifting away, anybody ever drifted away from God or drifted away from something that was good? Usually when you hear that word drifting away, it never comes with a positive connotation. It's never, oh, I drifted into this good thing. Or my marriage drifted into a, a solid place. It's always, no, we drifted away into something that, that was not good for us. And we've got to learn to catch ourselves when we're drifting away from the things of God. And I believe this is where we come in. Well, God, show us that, that, that pathway to personal revival on the inside. I believe the restoration and revival starts on the inside and it works its way from the inside out and it spills out onto others, people that are around you. But it must start with us first. Amen. Now, now one thing about me, I, I love to get some feedback sometimes. So it's OK if you amen me, but just just don't make me preach to chairs. Amen. We're going to have a good time. So if you got your Bibles or your app or your Bible app. We're going to jump into Psalms chapter 119. Uh, this is where the psalmist, and I love the book of Psalms, but the psalmist is, is kind of being uh, just relatable and showing the humanity because we all reach these places where our soul needs that revival. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he starts in Psalms 119 verse 25. Say amen when you're there. I, mean, I still hear pages flipping. I see thumbs scrolling. That's okay. We're going to jump into it. He starts off with this. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me. Everybody say revive. Revive me according to your word. Say that word again, revive. He says, I've declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes, your laws. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. I'm going to read that statement again. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. I mean, it was good just to sit and think about God, to think about his goodness. You know, in the, in the morning staff meeting today, Pastor Curtis started off, let's just take a few seconds here and thank God for his goodness. Let's be grateful. And it does us good to just meditate upon all the good things that God has done in our life. He goes on in verse 28. My soul melts from heaviness. Anybody ever been in a situation where uh, just too much information got in your brain and just kind of weighed you down and kind of just discouraged you? And, it's, and, and, and what happens in your mind affects the rest of your body. Anybody ever got so discouraged you just didn't want to get out of bed on Monday morning? And, and how am I going to go through this day? And the psalmist is describing this. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. Now, I want to jump back to that revival, that word revive. One of the things about me, when I, when I see a word 
I don't just take it for granted. I go to the dictionary. Anybody like me go to the dictionary? You want to get some meaning from this. And so thank you, sister, for being so honest right there. I got one person with me that's honest. So I went to the dictionary and looked up that word revive. It means this, to bring back to life. It means restoration and rejuvenation. You know, on our back patio, I don't know, you guys got that picture of that plant that I sent? On the back patio of our house, my wife is going to love me for this, there's this potted plant. Doesn't that look like just refreshing? It's green. But I wish I had the before picture. Because the before picture, that thing was wilted, brown, and hardly anything was there. And my wife walked out the other day and just thought, wow, Adonis, did you see that? I'm like, it's a plant. But she was so excited because she didn't know if it was going to come back. She didn't know if it was going to spring back to life, but she got so filled with joy. And then there's another one that sits across from that, and she went over to that one. And, and it was alive and just as green as that one. But they started off with the appearance that they're not going to make it back. In fact, we didn't even plant those plants. Our neighbor, thank God for some good neighbors, amen. Our neighbor, I look out one day, I see our neighbor planting the, I'm like, what is she doing out there? Is she going to charge me for that? Is she going to send me an invoice? She didn't ask us, but she knew that, the plants that we had there kept dying and dying and dying. And she found us a plant that could make it back after every bad season. Mm. Mm. She said, don't worry. It may give the appearance that it's not going to make it back, but it's going to revive itself. And every season, we go through the same thing. When we hit winter, that's going to look brown and dusty and things are going to fall off, but it's going to make it back. And I'm here to tell you, listen, with the power of God and the Holy Spirit on your side, you're going to make it back. We can always make it back when we drift into the things of God and not drift away from the things of God. I'm talking about that personal revival. We're going to make it back. The word revive also means this, a renewal of interest. This is a good one here. If you're taking notes, you need to type that in your phone or write that down. You're going to love this one. The word revive means a renewal of interest after spiritual neglect. After spiritual neglect. Now, there's a lot of things that we have to renew. I mean, there's some couples after a period of time, they renew their marriage vows. Every year you have to renew your insurance policy. You have to renew your license on your, play, on your car. I mean, no, but, but can we just thank God for a moment that we don't have to do any more emissions testing? Come on. Come on. Can we just give God a praise for that today? That we're done with emissions testing. But we've got to renew some things in our life, and we've got to renew our relationship with God, and we've got to renew that first love that we had with God if we want that personal revival to take us through the, the days that we are in. I mean, we're in some pretty dark days as you see what, where, the way the world is going, but there's a light on the inside of God's people uh, that needs to shine bright, and we have to have that personal revival on the inside. And I believe Jesus is in the business of taking us from a situation that could look like we're not going to make it back. And then all of a sudden we spring back and people around us see us and they're going to come up and ask us, how did you get from there 
to hear. Come on, somebody. How did you make it out of that? And that opens up a way for us to, to minister and be a witness. But we always have to renew that. Because if we don't renew things, sometimes they expire. We don't go through that renewal process, things can expire. A good friend of mine that I went to Bible college with years ago, his name is Keith Mitchell. At a very early age, he was in his preteens, and, and he came home from school one day and went into the, to the refrigerator, opened it up, and nobody was at home but him, and he grabbed a milk carton. And he knew nobody was home, but he opened it up, and he chugged that milk carton. And the next thing he know, his mouth is filled with all kind of chunks and curds and and spoiled rotten milk, and he spit it out, and that taste stayed in his mouth for weeks. Now, he did this as a preteen. He's over the age of 50 now, and even to this day, if you go out to eat with him, he will embarrass you because for every moment since, he has to smell his food. You think he's praying twice, but he's not. He prays, then he looks around to see who's watching him in the restaurant, and he smells his food, and then he eats it. All because of that one bad experience with expired milk that he tasted and left that bad taste in his mouth. So we're not going to let our relationship with God get to a place where it expires. But I want to talk about a, a, a key story today. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20. Uh, it's one of the stories that fascinates me uh, of a young man and something happened to him. And I just, I use that as a journey because, you know, when we're walking this Christian walk with God, we can go through seasons once again, where we drift away, but we don't want to drift away. We want to do the things that, that, that we can do to keep our relationship vibrant, to bring it back, to, to put it back on fire for God. Amen? The, one of the things that's going to reach this world are God's people that are on fire for him, that are, that are bold, that are sharing the gospel, that are, that are reaching out to others. And we have to stay vibrant in that relationship. But let's dive into this story, and then we'll pick it apart. But we're in Acts chapter 20. Verses 7 through 12, this is a uh, great, great story. But it says, we met on Sunday to worship and celebrate the Master's Supper. Paul addressed the congregation. This is, this is fun here for preachers that like to go a little bit long-winded. It says, our plan was to leave first thing in the morning, but Paul talked on way past midnight. Way past midnight. We were meeting in a well-lighted upper room and in a window, everybody say window, in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. Now, let me, let me describe what's going on here. They're kind of like in a church meeting. They're kind of, uh, this is the Apostle Paul that's talking. And this certain young man, he sits in a window and he starts sinking into a deep sleep. Anybody ever sank into a deep sleep and you couldn't control it? I remember we went one, one day after service when I was uh, associate pastor in Nashville, uh, preached three services and my wife had the idea, let's go to a movie. Now, usually, I don't fall asleep in movies because I like movies. So we're sitting there. I'm watching the movie, but all of a sudden, I feel like just something come over me. I'm sinking into a deep sleep, and I can't stop it. 
And it got to the point, I'm watching the movie and <laughs> snored as loud. My wife looks like she wants to move five seats away from me. People are looking at me. But it's that deep sleep. We'll get back to it. it says he was finally overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Paul went down, stretched himself on him, and hugged him hard. Everybody say, hugged him hard. No more crying, he said. There is life in him yet. Fell down from three stories. Taken up dead, Paul hugged him hard and told everybody, stop crying. There's still life on the inside of him. That's powerful. We'll get back to that. Then Paul got up and served the master's supper and went on telling stories of the faith until dawn. So he's still preaching. On that note, they left Paul going one way, <clears throat> the congregation another, leading the boy off alive and full of life themselves. Everybody say, full of life themselves. Now, that's an amazing, amazing story right there. And I want to, can I break it down and we can dive back into that a little bit so we can learn uh, from this story? Uh, I want to give you some key questions to consider as we think about Eutychus and, and sitting in a window and way past midnight. Now, I don't know about your parents when they were bringing you up, but my mama used to always tell me, ain't nothing good happens after midnight. Just, just nothing good. Have you ever been out after midnight? I've been out after midnight. I've been to a Walmart after midnight. And I stepped in there, and I prayed the whole time I was in there. I'm like, am I in the twilight zone? Now, I don't judge people, but I'm wondering, where did y'all come from? After midnight. You're like, well, what, Pastor, what were you doing in Walmart after midnight? That's for me to know. <clears throat> for you to find out. I was actually in there for some graham crackers. We, me and my wife were baking some, some, some stuff for the church, and I was crunching these, what, graham crackers, grinding them up. And I said, I'll just be a blessing to my wife, and I'll do all this tonight. And we wake up, we've got the ingredients. And then I decided to eat one, and it just had this funny taste. And then I woke my wife up, hey, can you taste this? And she's like, oh, that's not going to work. And I said, I'll just go to Walmart for some graham crackers. The whole time, you know, I'm like, I got 911 on speed dial because this is just not a good place to be after midnight. But here's a key question. What are you doing after midnight? In that hour, that season, that, that setting yourself up in a circumstance that, that is not beneficial to your, your relationship with God. Setting yourself up in a place where uh, you could potentially fall asleep to the things of God. You think about this. They were in a room with the apostle Paul. If that were you and I, we would think we'd be ready and, 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 and taking notes and scribing down everything that he said. But, but sometimes as we walk this walk, we walk into places that have the potential to put us to sleep 
to the things of God. So that's question number one. The second one, are you sitting in any wrong places? Eutychus came in and sat where? Sat in a window, third story window. If you're going to do that, at least close the, the, the window. Set in an open window. And we've got to challenge ourselves to make sure with our life, with our marriage, we're not sitting in a, in a, in a wrong place with our marriage, with our, with our family. We're not sitting in some wrong places with our family, with our circle of friends. Come on. We're not sitting in wrong places with the wrong people that could, could draw us away and cause us to drift away from the things of God. The third question, is anything putting you to sleep to the things of God? What is, what is taking priority over God in your life? What is, what is causing you to say, well, you know what? God don't mind. What is causing you to say, well, you know what? Yeah, I know I, know I should be reading my Bible, but you know what? I, I got so much other stuff going on, and I'll get to that when I can. And all the while, we're drifting we're drifting away. What are the things that are putting you to sleep to the things of God? And when we go to that, because it says he was sinking into a deep sleep. And I think oftentimes because of God would not just let us wander off. Have you ever had God just tap you on the shoulder and like, hey, don't forget about me. Hey, you know, you should be doing this. But the more you ignore that is when you can sink deeper and deeper till you finally overcome by the sleep. Identify those things that have that potential to put you to sleep to the things of God. And when we're truthful with ourselves and ask ourselves those questions, then it allows us right here to get on that pathway to that personal revival, to that personal restoration in our relationship with God. And the first thing I want to bring out here is, number one, allow the Holy Spirit to wrap his arms around you. Come on, get in the presence of God. Wasn't it a wonderful presence of God just a few minutes ago when we were in worship? And in those moments, you got you to soak that in and understand that God is there and allow him to wrap his arms around you in that moment. Remember, it says this, that when, when he fell down, they took him up dead, but Paul went to him and hugged him what? Hugged him hard. If the media would have been there today, they'd have been, hey, six feet apart. Hey, you know, isn't it funny how we have to walk up to people today and it's like, are you hugging? Or are you, can, can we hug? Paul immediately went up and hugged him. You know, years ago, my dad taught me a very powerful thing about a, a hug. I was a little kid, and the children appreciate this because you've heard your parents say, don't play with fire, don't play with matches. Anybody ever have your parents tell you, hey, don't be playing with matches? So one day, I was probably about my son's age, true story, about my son's age, and uh, I found this lighter, this cigarette lighter in the house, and just flickering it, and I kind of got away by myself. My brother and sister were in the living room. My dad was at work. My mom was in the bed asleep. So I don't know who put this idea in my head, but I had the idea, why don't I crawl up under mom and dad's bed and just flick this lighter and just let it light up the room. I thought that'd be cool. It'd light up everything. So I crawl up under the bed, flick the lighter, 
And you know, up under the mattress, it's that, that real flammable felt stuff. And my parents had a round bed. And as I flicked that lighter, it immediately caught fire. And I watched it just run in a round circle up under that bed. And the whole bed start burning with my mama in it. I'm scared. I walk out of the room and I look at my brother and sister. I said, mama, bed's burning. They think I'm like running, the smoke's coming everywhere. We go in there, they're screaming. My mom jumps out of a burning bed. She didn't get burned. She got out of there, and we finally got the fire out. You know, they called the fire department. And by then, I'm a little kid, so I know when they called my dad, I'm like, I'm going to get it. Like, this is it. I didn't even know God then, but I was talking to him. <laughs> God, just take me now. Just, just please, before daddy gets home. I know my life is over. Fire department leaves. I'm trying to get the, the smoke cleared out. My dad walks in, big guy, towered over me. He walks into the house. It's silence. My brother and sister like, you going to get it. They like, my dad bypasses us, walks into the room, turns on the light so he can see the damage. And then he walks out, and I'm sitting on the couch, and he walks out, and he just looks at me. And he picks me up, holds me up, and gives me the tightest hug for what seemed like eternity. He hugged away all my fears. He hugged away the guilt and the shame that I had felt. He didn't even say a word to me. He just hugged me tight. And in that moment, what I thought was going to happen did not happen. And he gave me his love, and it brought me back. I was so ashamed, I didn't even know if, if, if I was going to be a part of the family anymore. But in that hug, it brought something back to me. My dad, everything's going to be okay. Sometimes we just need a hug from his presence, amen? Sometimes we just need to remember he's daddy God. I mean, he's not mad at you. My friend Jerome used to say, God's not mad at you. He's not waiting around the corner with a baseball bat to beat you upside your head. No, God loves you. And I think the apostle Paul was trying to teach us something that day. This kid fell down, picked up dead, but that hug started something in him. Hugged him hard and said, there's still life in him. There's still life in him. The second thing, you got to see what God's word says about your situation. Paul began to speak. When he spoke, there was life in him. He's speaking something. And you'll never be that out where God doesn't have a word for you. You got to go to the word of God and find out what is he saying about the situation that you're in. Begin to confess God's word over your life. Amen. Begin to speak life into that situation. Begin to pray scripture over that situation. And I guarantee you, God will revive that. And the third thing, I love this one here. You've got to be in an atmosphere where stories of faith are being shared. You remember, he fell down dead. Paul hugged him hard, spoke words over him. There's life in him yet. Y'all quit crying. There's life in him yet. And then it says, Paul went on to keep on telling stories 
of faith. Stories of faith. See, it's something when you get around people that are talking about faith and what God can do and what God has done. You ever, you ever been in somebody's presence and they give you a testimony and you leave encouraged? And in that moment, this story never says that, that it even shows us that Paul addressed the boy, that, that he laid hands, that, that, that they had a prayer meeting to, to raise him from the dead. It just says he went on talking about stories of faith. How'd you like to be in that session? There's a dead man on the stage over here. Paul's talking about stories of faith. Can I set the scene for you? He's talking about the goodness of God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's talking about what God has done and what God can do. And, and people are probably uh, echoing stories of faith to one another. And I believe in the midst of that, we never know because the Bible clearly doesn't say it. It just says, on that note, they left, Paul going one way, the congregation another, leading the boy off alive. Leading him off alive and full of life themselves because they'd just seen a miracle, I believe, why Paul was sharing stories of faith. Maybe the body lay there and all of a sudden in one story of faith, uh, they heard just a big breath come out. We don't know. But we do know Paul set the scene for us. For this young man to have a revival in his life, to go from death to life. He was in an atmosphere where somebody took the time to hug him back to life, to speak a word back over him. See, you never know who you come in contact with that God wants to use you to speak into their life. One thing I've learned about God, listen, don't count anybody out. Amen. We can't be so judgmental that we forget that God is a big God and he can turn anybody's life around. When you think of your own life, you know, sometimes we just, we carry on like we, we were born saved. <laughs> like there's no background, you know. Uh, there's a back, if we ran background checks on everybody, I'm sure there's one thing that you don't want anybody to find out about what's going on or what happened in your life. My wife, I told you, she's a forensic. Before we got married, she reached over. We're driving down the road. She reached over and, and grabbed some hair out of my head. I'm like, why? What are you doing? She said, well, I got to go take it to the office and run a background check. I said, baby, I said, we're cool. I'm cool. I said, that was years ago. I said, I, I served my time. I'm good. I'm good to go. You don't have to judge me on that. We cool. We cool. But you got to understand, listen, God is in that revival business. And I think as Christians and people that follow after the things of God, that we must stay vibrant in our relationship. We have to do a self-checkup as we walk this walk with Christ. Amen? We have to do that self-checkup because God needs each and every one of us to be that light that shines for him. And even if we've walked this walk and we've, and we've been that person that is set in the third story window and fell asleep and we fell somewhere along the road and we thought there was no redemption and we thought we'd messed up too, too much to come back to Christ. Guess what? We're wrong. You can never get out of God's reach to bring you back into fellowship with him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Come on, you can never get out of the reach of God to bring you back into fellowship with him. He's an amazing God that loves us all. 
We've got to stay committed. Through the ups and the downs, through the mistakes, we've got to be that person to, to realize, yeah, God, I sat in that window. I shouldn't have. God, I was hanging out at midnight at Walmart. I shouldn't have. God, I was sitting in a circle of people that I shouldn't have been in that circle. I realize that now. God, instead of letting other the wrong people speak into my life. I need to get around some people that will speak some good things into my life. I realize my mistakes now. I realize, I guarantee you this, Eutychus will never sit in a third-story window again. Eutychus will realize when he's falling asleep, he will go to bed somewhere. He will realize I will always be in company with somebody who's got my back, like a Paul, that when I do fall down, He's going to hug life back into me. Amen? Amen. This help anybody today? Come on, give Jesus a praise offering. Come on, somebody bless him. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet, guys. I want to I challenge each and every one of us today that no matter where we are, and this is myself included because we go through seasons. Anybody ever go through a season where you can get busy? We do. We go through seasons where we feel depleted. We go through seasons where we get discouraged. <clears throat> we go through seasons where we don't know what's happening. But then I think all of that is a reminder for us to get back in that space with God. And allow God to restir and to rekindle some things on the inside. To bring that passion back once again. We notice when we've drifted away. But it's a good thing to know when we're getting back closer to the shore. Amen. I use those analogies with drifting away. If you ever know one thing about me, like I don't really like the ocean. And when we go out in it, I, I make sure that I, I can get back to this beach. Come on. With about two steps, I'm back to safety. Two steps, I'm, I'm back into to safety, that shore, that peaceful place. I know you say, well, Pastor, God calls us into the deep. Well, you go into the deep. I'm going to stay in the shore. But that's the place I believe God's calling us back to. If we're going to be that light in a dark world, if we're going to be that light in our community, our workplaces, come on. Be a light to, to shine into this next generation to point them towards God. Amen? Let's make sure that our life has that personal revival on a continued basis to where things are refreshed in us. Amen? Amen? I want to close in prayer, but I want to ask you this question as well. You could be here today. Maybe you're watching online somewhere from around the world. I don't know, but, but, but God is tugging at your heart right now. Some things have have caused you to take that internal look. And you're thinking, yeah, that, 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 Eutychus, I can identify. 
But some of those areas, I've been walking with the Lord, and, but there's some areas that trip me up. And, and, and today you're saying, that, you know what, I want to get back on track with the things of God. Whether you're watching around the world or maybe you're here and you just realize, you know what, I, I do need to do that self-checkup. I've drifted away just a little bit. But now it's time for that course correction and get back to where God wants me to get. Or maybe you're here today or you're watching online and, and you've never, you've never experienced that personal relationship with Christ. But guess what? Today is your day. You're in the right place with the right people, serving the right God who's able to do the right thing in your life. Amen. Amen. Can we pray just by Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.